Hello, friends. Welcome to the Living Truth Podcast. This is Kristen Carey hosting today. And this has been a long time coming. I'm so excited to have this conversation with my dear friend, Heather Scriba. Heather, thank you for being here with me on our podcast today. You're welcome, Kristen. So you guys, this is a very personal podcast in a lot of ways, because I've known Heather for the last nine and a half years. And we met in 2014 when she was a student in college. And Michael and I at the time were doing some traveling and speaking on college campuses, sharing about our stories of sexual brokenness and sexual betrayal and offering students an opportunity to meet with us one-on-one in a confidential setting to talk about anything they were struggling with in those areas. And Heather came to me um, and we met. It was like, I think, February or March of 2014. And here you are all these years later. I know. I can't believe it's been almost 10 years. Oh my gosh. So you guys, Heather has an incredible story. She has gone through so much transformation, so much emotional, spiritual, psychological healing and renewal. And of course it's not over, right? We're all a work in progress, but part of why I wanted to invite Heather onto our podcast today is because I think there's a lot of times where we think initially early on in our recoveries that I just need to be done with this unwanted sexual behavior. Like let's say it's porn addiction and then I'll be okay. And that desire to be free from an unwanted sexual behavior is just the beginning. Right, Heather? Yes. (laughs) I mean, did you ever, do you remember feeling like if I could just not struggle with porn anymore, then I'll be okay. I mean, all the time, especially when when I was fresh in recovery and fresh in realizing how destructive it was. Like if this if this would be the thing that I could kind of get control over, then I think it felt like it would give me a sense of control over other areas of my life that seemed out of control. And so it seemed like the thing that was causing everything else to be unmanageable and broken. And yeah. And to be fair, listeners, like for sure, uh, um, a porn addiction is destructive and it is disruptive and it creates lots of issues for us. But that freedom from porn is just the beginning because God has so much more for us. Now, I don't want this to be a conversation of discouragement, So if you're new in recovery and you're listening and you're like, wait, what? There's more after that? (laughs) Know that 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 journey that we're going to talk about and Heather's story and all the ways that God has been healing her, it's, it's hopeful. It's redemptive because it's really just the beginning to be free from that unwanted sexual behavior. So I'd love for you to share some of your story, um, Heather, with us, but and well, we're going to weave that in as I ask you a couple of questions that have come to me. One is back in 2014, when we sat down and met and you were like, I'm struggling with this pornography addiction. I'm struggling with same-sex attraction. I don't know what to do with these things. I, I need freedom. I need help. And, um, can you remember like, what were you feeling? How were you feeling about yourself? How are you feeling about God? Yeah, I, I remember feeling really alone in a variety, like for a variety of different reasons. And one, just being a woman who was openly talking about have like struggling with pornography. Um, I, that, 
at, especially at that time, like it's becoming more somewhat more common to talk about it for like women struggling with it. But at the time it was very much in like a, a man's problem. And so I've already felt somehow like defective or somehow more broken than all of the other women who were surrounding me. But then I think too, on a heart level, like I just, I really hated myself. Like I had trouble spending time. I had trouble being alone because then I was stuck with this person that I really didn't like. But if I was around other people, it made me hyper aware of how much I didn't like myself because I didn't fit in or I would, or whatever the, whatever the, the, the line was at the time, whatever the thought was at the time that was going through my head, um, being around people was like equally as hard. And so it felt like there was this, this just no place to find where I could like really be me and who I was, was not someone who was lovable or worthy of belonging. And I think there was just a lot of shame around just my existence and who I was as a person in general. So at what point did you start to unlock and feel like, okay, I'm finding what I need to not be bound to this struggle with pornography? Like, how did that unfold? What do you like, you mean initially to like start seeking like recovery or? Yeah. Yeah. Like, How did you find that freedom from just initially? How did you find that freedom from the pornography addiction? Uh, um, I don't, I feel like it was like a step-by-step learning how to, I mean, it felt like just like a baby steps along the entire way. It wasn't like overnight. It was immediately free. Like there'd be so many times where I would have like a, a decent bout of, um, of sobriety or, um, and, and then something would happen and I would stumble again and I'd be like, oh crap, like I'm back to square one. But every time in those bouts of clarity that the, like in the bouts of the clarity that came with mm-hmm. helping my brain reset and like even just letting my heart reset, every time there would be some sort of stumble, it never pushed me back quite as far as when I was in like the throes of being like, of not having done any, any work or any recovery work. And so I think it really was a, like a day by day, like as I began to learn and began to be okay with feeling lonely and learning how to like actually emotional, like sit in hard emotions and learn how to find connection amidst shame. Like that was, that was a huge part too. Like I remember feeling all of this, um, I just being able to like tell you all sorts of things and be like, here's what I feel. Here's what I did. Um, and knowing that there that was going to be received with love and care and kindness and grace and to not have the a reaction that I was anticipating be the reaction that I received. Like it was so gentle and kind um, that every time it, I felt like I got a little bit more of a taste of what it felt like to truly actually walk in freedom. And so every time bit by bit, it, I had a little bit more of a glimpse of what it was, of what I could hold on to. And that like fueled me to stay motivated and stay, um, yeah, just stay like, I kind of like stay the course when things weren't going as expected. Yeah. Because what we were talking about offline is like, you were using pornography to try to numb your emotional pain. Yeah. And what 
And what else? What were the reasons like that you have since discovered, like you didn't know it at the time that that's why you were struggling, but what were the other reasons? Yeah, I think it, I notice overall that when my heart is not rested and there's so many things that cause us to lose rest, like stress, being tired physically, emotionally, um, having boundaries pushed. A big one for me was loneliness too, like feeling like I had, I was disconnected from people who cared about me or didn't feel like anybody loved me or um, like I didn't belong. Like all of those feelings started to be, um, they would, they would be the things that would launch me into something that would numb them. And sometimes that was like, that was often pornography. And other times that was other like behaviors that would just be used to um, make those feelings go away for as, as long as possible. Like what kinds of things would, would kind of at least temporarily numb? Uh, I mean, food is a big one too. Oh my gosh. Because food is comfort. And sometimes it was a little bit too much comfort. Um, And I mean, even exercise at times, it was like, if I can just do something that distracts me enough that maybe I can forget what I'm feeling or not have to deal with this uncomfortable emotion. Um, like I was so desperate to avoid those things because they felt so scary and they felt so like they were, it felt like the emotions were going to kill me. Um, and so if I could just avoid and delay those for as long as possible, I could, that would, that was the better option. Yeah. So I hope this is encouraging to you guys who are listening to know, like, this is such a process. And even if you have a significant period of time where you are experiencing freedom from unwanted sexual behavior, that sometimes like we, we can regress a little bit and feel like we're all the way back at the beginning. But in fact, you're, you are making progress because you're learning and you're growing and you're getting a taste of the freedom. And you're realizing this is so much better. Like the life God has for me, the life of freedom and when, once I learn more how to regulate my emotions and how to let God heal the wounds in my heart that I'm trying to numb, I could have a better life than I ever thought possible. So there is so much of your story, like from when you started that recovery journey in 2014, right? Um, can you just unpack kind of the next couple of years of your story and some of the struggles that you went through, some of the decisions that you made, um, some of the you know, even de- delving into the world of recovery and finding, gosh, this isn't even a safe or or uh, healthy environment, right? Even in your 12-step group, like yeah. there's whatever parts of that story that you want to share and that happened over the next couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the first thing that comes to mind is just the, the boundary setting process that was so hard to learn in every context of my life, like with family, with friends, with in ways that would continue to protect the the freedom that I was finding. And with learning to set boundaries, you're learning to start to step away from people pleasing because boundaries are not, they're not going to make everybody comfortable and they're not going to give everybody everything that they want. And I think in, even in like the 12 step program that I was in or in relationships in my life or family or whatever, um, the practice and exercise of learning how to set good boundaries was 
I mean, it has taken so many years to feel like I'm in a spot where I want, I recognize what the boundaries I need are, and then I'm comfortable enough to actually state them and then enforce them when they are pushed because they will get pushed. Um, And there were so many ups and downs with that too. And, but it's such a learning curve. And I think, I don't know if this is answering your question, but um, I think one of the things that I have found the most helpful to keep in mind is how, like, how do you measure progress? For me, I think I focused so much on the number of days that I was like sober or free. And that almost puts like putting my focus on that, like it was so good in the beginning, but it became something that the focus was more on the number than on the heart level healing that was happening. And um, so then when I would, like if I did like um, relapse or stumble or whatever, um, that crushed me more because I lost that number, not rather than recognizing the measure of progress being, well, how quickly did you get back on track? How quickly did you reach out to somebody? How quickly did you actually um, recognize the things that set you back there and then kind of learn what adjustments needed to be made moving forward? And usually it came down to recognizing what need of mine was unmet and or like what boundary had gotten broken that resulted in some emotion getting triggered. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool to hear you talk about this in hindsight now, since I was able to watch your process and your transformation, you know, cause now, I mean, like you're, you're human, you have a heart of flesh and it's hard, but you set your boundaries and you adjust your life so that you can live a sustainable God connected life. So, okay. So you're, you're starting your recovery journey. You're starting to get some freedom and you're starting to experience a taste of all of that. And then you're, you had a, an experience with gender and sexuality, like sexual orientation stuff was a, a really big part of your story. Is there any part of that that you'd like to share with us? Um, well, I had, I trans, I ended up transitioning and living as a, uh, or identifying as a trans guy for gosh, almost two years. And I think in, in hindsight, again, I think that was another attempt at that self-protective, that self-protection that I think my heart was so looking for, even through like through pornography, it was self-protection from feeling hard emotions. And in, transitioning it was so similar but it was almost like in my mind or I think like subconsciously like I felt like it was again much safer to present this way or to feel this way or to interact with the world this way um and I think I just re- in hindsight recognized so clearly just like how my heart felt so vulnerable and um unsafe just like I didn't know how to protect it. And so I had to find, like, it was just this constant search for ways to like feel safe and feel, um, feel like I was going to be okay. And initially it kind of felt like it was working. Yeah, no, it definitely did. I think it for, uh, I think the first about first year, year and a half, it felt like all of my problems had gone away. Um, but then I think as the dust settled and it kind of, things became more day to day of just like, this is the life I'm living. Here we are. Um, those internal heart rumblings started to come up again of, 
is of like, I'm still feeling like I don't belong. I'm still feeling like I'm somehow not loved. I'm still feeling like somehow I'm not protected or whatever, whatever the, the unmet need was in the moment or in that time period, like those things started to resurface when they had, they had been muted for, for a while. Um, but as, as things became less, as I guess they, as they became more day to day, um, there was less distraction and less excitement. And so I think those, those underlying emotions, like they never actually addressed, they were just set to the side. And as things calmed down, they all of the same feelings started to surface again. And so it was like dealing with the stuff that I thought I had dealt with or the stuff that I thought had been sorted out. So you're two years into having transitioned and realizing this is not meeting my heart's deepest needs. Um, also, you you be- you believed and felt like being in a good relationship with with another woman would satisfy that longing yeah. and that need. And what did you discover as you kind of dove into that world? For me, I think I was, I was looking for someone to be the, like my everything in my life. And I think I, I realized very quickly, maybe not very quickly in hindsight, it felt very quickly. I think it took me a while in the moment, but, um, that I was asking someone to fulfill a role in my life that they were not they're not able to fill. Um, Like there was this, it felt like, I mean, the analogy of having a leaky bucket, like I was asking someone to pour all of their time and energy and emotions into this, this bucket in my heart that was never going to get filled up. It was always, it was insatiable and constantly asking for more, like more nurturing, more love, more acceptance, more attention. Um, and that's, in, I mean, that's just more than any one person is designed, other than God, like that is more than any one person is designed to fill. And, but I thought, again, I thought that that was going to be the thing that ended up meeting all of those needs. And, and it did temporarily, right? That's well, the thing. And yeah, yeah it, it did until, well, what'd you say? I said, that's the thing about a lot of our struggles is like, sometimes they, you know, just take like a short acting thing, like food, right? You feel yeah. this ache and this longing, this lo- like this emptiness and you eat something, especially something that gives you a lot of dopamine, right? And serotonin and, and it does feel like it scratches the itch. And so same thing yeah. with like getting into a relationship with another woman for a while, it felt satisfying and it felt right. And it felt like what you wanted yeah. and needed, right? And, and eventually you realize this is not, healthy for me. This is not what I need. And so anyways, go back to you. Yeah. And not even that it wasn't healthy, but it was the recognition of the unmet expectation, not even that it was. And like, by definition, it was also unhealthy because I was putting all of these expectations on it. But I think in there, I, I think over the course of like, over the course of like the span of like the relationships that I was in, it I think every time it'd be, or but like every time it'd be like, this is the, this time it's going to be different. And every time having the bar set here for what this is going to fulfill and it 
hitting so much lower, there was the unmet expectation too, was just, it was eye-opening that there was something else beneath the surface going on. It was like, you can't fix soul level needs and like heart level needs with things that don't speak to the heart and soul level. So what can you fix it with? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> okay. Unpack that more. I want to learn. <laughs> um, no, I think what really spoke to, or what really actually began to unpack those that are like to, that spoke to those heart and soul level needs was learning the safety of unpacking those emotions and in the, and setting them into like the kind hands of Jesus. Like he more than anyone could ever know or ever like he he knows what my heart needed at the time and to recognize that he more than anybody else is the one who wanted healing and was speaking to like this wounded little girl who was still in my heart and still like I was in my 20s but I felt like there's this raging like three-year-old four-year-old five-year-old who is still just trying to get her needs met and learning that Jesus wanted to speak to her just as much as he wants to like speak to adult Heather, but he really wanted to speak to this raging five-year-old who is just, she's just looking, she's looking for something and is trying to like feel safe and feel and all, all of these things and learning how to let her dialogue, her anger, her rage, her sadness, all of those things with Jesus, like learning how to let those young parts of my heart talk to him and seeing how he responded far kinder than far kinder to my heart than I have ever been to my heart. And to be like, wow, if he can speak to me that way, then maybe I can let myself off the hook a little bit. And maybe other people actually can hear from him and like, show me that same kindness to like, be kind of Jesus with like in the flesh, like represent him as I begin to like, let people in, like let people closer and closer and kind of let the walls of my heart down a little bit. Well, that was just the beginning of Heather's story of transformation to living beyond sobriety into a life of freedom and transformation. You guys, I cannot wait to share part two with you, which will come out in two weeks. And if you have not already, would you take a moment to rate or write reviews on whatever podcast uh, platform you use to listen to the Living Truth Podcast? When you do that, that just helps more people find us. It helps more people find the hope and the healing that we want to offer. I cannot wait to be with you again in the next episode. And until next time, I'm holding out hope for you.